Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. Yo, rip rap to the rippity rap. I am OG and I take new crap. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this? See? In Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the... Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! Wobble, 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 wobble
right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. 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 Classic. Yeah, yeah, I was I was planning on getting us some hoagies, but they don't make hoagies in New York. So, um Ah! Ah, there's the lap monkey. I I got your sack of greasy sliders. I hope you're happy I had to pull up the teleport, did it? I had to jump start some guy's car with a penny to get him. Ah that's another story. It wasn't Russell Simmons, was he? Or Richard Edlund? Not that I know of, no. I love Who are Rick. they? <laughs> well, they are two of the participants in uh, tonight's uh, experiment. On the Honeywell experiment. Virginia, put some clothes on. Sorry. Anyway, uh, I, I'm, I, sorry, I, I'm distracted. I, <laughs> do not look at her. I, okay. I yeah. did not create I get it. that marvel of science for you to look at. But anyway, so no, this is about, uh, it, it's fairly late in the Grindhouse cycle, but it did have a theatrical release. It had a, a fairly well-selling soundtrack album and um it is yet another one of these uh black exploitation films that you and i love so much but tonight i figured i would bring in someone who knows something about the rap industry to help us unpack the charming little marvel that is tougher than leather Mr. Kalen Con- Conley, otherwise known as B-Hyphen. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad to be here with Chris and Tom here on the Honeywell Experiment. It's been a long time coming. Yes, yes. So Reunited, as, and it feels so good. As you know, as you know Kalen, we, we've covered quite a few black exploitation films, even though we're two old white guys. <laughs> uh, but th- no. this one's a special case, because this one is... Is I think the first is from the first wave of black exploitation revival in the mid '80s. This is also around the time that we get um, the return of Superfly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we also get some hip hop comedies and disorderlies. I love disorders so much. <laughs> well, but but this is this is of course this is of course, and this is like I said the word the word in doing this read because I watched this once when it was out on video back in the in the late eighties, and I this is my second viewing and I was just overtaken by how kind of charming it is. Yeah, it's it, 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 it there's a sense in this film of just a bunch of people who kind of like hanging out with each other saying let's make a movie yes the 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 blueprint of the movies in the first half hour like like it's almost like 
you can almost just translate them them organizing their tour into them talking with you know Rick Rubin and all their uh, all their friends and associates about mm-hmm. doing a movie and get and you know you know they got all their friends it had a very dolomite feel to it yeah. you know it did it had a real like let's get all our friends together we're going to write you know Rick Rubin wrote the movie yeah <laughs> and directed it shout out and to you- Rick Rubin man <laughs> He, it's funny you could see him get better at directing as the movie goes on. I bet you he like shot it in in order because like the edits are super fat in the beginning. There's lots of scenes that are just like held for like three, you know, just and as it goes on and on, it it, it starts flowing smoother and smoother. It really does because I'm I'm watching the opening scene again with Run Dempsey in the car. And there, I mean, obviously, Jam Master Jay is telling his his nice little story that I had to share with a friend this morning um, <laughs> about his his awful nightmares, and oh. he, he's definitely lingering. But then I just finished watching the climax of the film, and it, like it was moving. Like they were like in the bar, in the alley, in the bar with the girl, with the girl, with the girl, with the guns. Well, and... well I, I think that the <laughs> um, the quote unquote the tour. <laughs> um, the, the the tour montage is kind of the turning point as far as um, the narrative flow. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think so too. You know that first. I mean, it, I thought it was going to be a hard day's night until until the you know until, <laughs> until they turned into a revenge until it turned into a revenge story. Yeah. Hey man, R.I.P. Ray man, because he was in the screen for like what maybe fifteen minutes. And I like the hell out of Ray. Yeah, yeah. He was made to I, I be just so... I think they should so... have introduced Ray, to be honest, a lot earlier in the film. They could have. They easily could have. They should have. It's just, I mean... They could have uh, had him being doofy through the first... Instead of, you know, introducing him by having his mother tell his story, you know. She could have still still told that story, but it would have been a lot funnier if we'd already seen Ray in action. Yes. Oh. 100%. And can we talk about how Fab Five Freddy just came in and take a piss and he ends up getting stabbed and then gets his face mushed into a toilet, please? Yes. <laughs> well, before the, we were talking about the first thing, the first thing you hear is Flava Flav t- just talking shit in a jail cell. I know. You don't see him, you just hear his voice. Right. And it's like... You know, I mean, the thing about it is, like, when that movie came out, a few people might have just it might have just slid by you know but like flavor flames voice is now so ingrained in everybody's that it's just like it's flavor flame Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly like like hearing flames voice in 2021 lets you know exactly what kind of film you're getting into (laughs) and you know they just went up with him to him with a mic and said you know talk some shit like you're sitting in a jail cell trying to pass time you know, yeah, not, just, boy, just you're gives, not yeah, going yeah. out with Blake. You're going out with me. <laughs> and for some reason, the one line that, that sticks in my mind. Although that, that one sequence, that, that whole point of view sequence is pretty ambitious for a first time and only time director. Isn't it, though? It's kind of yeah. horror-driven, horror isn't it? <laughs> I was like, is this a horror film for like two seconds? Like, it's kind of creepy. But um, the thing is, it's, it's, it, I, I can't be mad at this film, even though I mean, you could debate about whether 
Yeah, I mean, you could debate about it being maybe not the obvious that it, it wears its low budget so far up its sleeve. It's not funny. <laughs> it's tattooed. It, it, it's tattooed. No... tattooed right there. It's embedded. It's got no money. Maybe when it came out, that was a drawback. It might have been a drawback to reviewers and stuff. But oh, the reviewers like, trashed it so hard. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I remember. I remember that. How much uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert hated it. Well, as 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 a commercial movie, it's you know not especially well acted, or you know it's it's not especially an original story and stuff. But that's it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be just a vehicle for that whole crew, you know. And now yeah. that those people are cemented in history, and Jesus Christ, those Beastie Boys, like I've seen footage like. I don't know how long they just looked like little kids. Because this mm-hmm. was like, what, 1988? This is 88. Yeah, they came yeah. out in 86. They've been around for a few years. Yeah. And they still, in this movie, I'm like, Jesus, they look like they're in middle school. They're it was ridiculous. really until the Paul's Boutique era that they, they looked like this. And then they started kind of yeah, kind of growing up. Right. This this was during their their frat boy rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they must, they probably were within a year or two of Run DMC age-wise, but Run DMC looked like full-grown adults, and, mm-hmm. and the Beastie Boys look like... The young whippersnappers. Yeah, like they should be at the middle school dance. They they don't even, there's nothing even, they're, like, I remember, like, when they came out, everybody's like, oh, the Beastie Boys, they're, they're these disgusting, like, blah, blah, wild, blah, blah, blah. It, you watch it now, and it's so, like, wholesome and, and charming. <laughs> all it their all, all their supposed obnoxiousness. It's just like, oh, geez, kids. <laughs> you rascally kids. Mm-hmm. Get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, I remember Public Enemy, people thought Public Enemy were going to, like, overthrow the government. And, like, <laughs> you know, we're like this. It's, it's, it's amazing. And 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 all that's all, all that stuff has just become sort of like classic rock style built into culture now. It, yeah. it really has. And and at the time, like who who would have thought that? I mean, we're sitting here looking at the Beastie Boys while uh, I think this is MCA trying to kick game <laughs> at the. It might be Mike D. I don't know. I get I get them confused when they're younger. <laughs> but um, at the secretary, like seeing Run DMC and mm-hmm. Beasties and Russell and. And and Rick Rubin, like who knew in 1988 that we would be looking at people who both groups are in the Hall of Fame now, the Rock and Roll mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Uh, Russell Simmons, aside is an iconic uh, music entrepreneur, and Rick Rubin is arguably one of the greatest producers of all times of all genres, not just hip hop. So mm-hmm. who knew? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of responsible for reminding the world that hey, Johnny Cash. Is dope. He's a kick-ass artist before yes. the man died. Yes, yes, he was. But, and, um, and in honor of Johnny Cash, I'm going to sing a few bars of Hurt right now. Here we go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, there were some professional actors in here, believe it or not. I thought I saw a few floating around there. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I actually kind of like George Godfrey, who played uh, played Nate. I like I like Nate as well. I like, I like Nate quite a bit. Um and um of course I love seeing Richard Edson. <laughs> who 
is, I mean, the words they put in his mouth didn't go too well, but he's a great actor. No, I, I thought I thought he was did really well, and and I I actually, you know what, it was very nice to hear the offensive language. Is that weird? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I was wondering if Rick Rubin was loving being such a racist asshole in this film or not. Hearing him say the N word no. was crazy. They 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 you on, I Jesus. I'm sure they were like, look, here's the here's the kicker. We're gonna you 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 have to be the most you you know you're the you're that guy you know. Well, he's the man in this film. I have to right, say, right. So they they were like, "Look, you're the white guy who's producing all these bands. You you got to do this part." And, yes, and, but you're you know. also mean. I gotta say, man, like Rick Rick Rubin is is not not attractive in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Rick? Although, I, and of course, the fact that this is seems to be a family. Basically, a family affair, like a, just a bunch of friends getting together. Yeah. His uh, Goomba father is played by his actual father. His actual father. I love that. That's a nice. Oh, really? Touch. Yeah. He, he, he did a great job. He he was he was like kind of charming as the mafia don. Wasn't he though? And 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 like he had he had a little bit of Gomez Adams about him. You know, it, it might have just been the way he looked, but like Actually, he wasn't first, your he wasn't God. your standard, you know, mafia don. He was probably more like a realistic, <laughs> <laughs> a realistic dad of of a crime dad. Yeah, you know, like, damn it, I ruined it. Had a moment you there, thought he was Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I can see it. Up. I can see it. What up, Ron? <laughs> you nasty mfer. <laughs> Oh, man. And, of course, um, the other, like, major actor-actor in this film is Jenny Lumet, who played the nice girl Pam, Pam, Mm -hmm. who actually went on to become a very successful producer for television. That that nice girl look was so standard in that time period. The hair. The tweed with the big hair. The the hair and then the, the, like sort of um prince type outfit but yeah. very you know like buttoned right up to the collar right up mm-hmm. over the neck and and everything just yeah it, it that was like the 80 it was it, it was almost like va- somebody from van van you know the vanity band yeah. the vanity, six. vanity six i couldn't yep. remember how many people were in it Babylonia <laughs> six. And, and, a, and a librarian was sort of that that eighties, the good girl look. This was like the 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 go to black good girl female uh, role in Hollywood at the time. Like this is yes. like from eighty eight until like eh, let's say late nineties. Honestly, because yes. Neil Long even kind of fit that, where it'd be the light skinned black girl with in the late eighties, early nineties with the the poofy hair and the nice smile and everything. Fall for the the hero or the anti hero of the film. So or she, was the daughter fit. in every sitcom? Yes, yes. Daughter in every like Hillary Hillary Banks up and yep. down. That's immediately who I think of. So shout out to Karen Parsons. Um, so this is exactly what the trope was, and, and she did she did a great job though. Not not take anything away from her. This is exactly what you would see in in any kind of film, whenever they wanted the the sweet black girl in the movie. 
Although the sweet black girl who knew how to get guns. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> she pulled out that gun and handed it to Ron. That's when uh, me and Chris had, uh, uh, I picked up the phone and she handed him that gun and then she's like, hold on, we got time to hook up before you go. <laughs> and they play the, and the hookup music in this is stripper is just the, the stripper. I'm glad we didn't get a full on sex scene. The only, the only nudity in the film. Go for it. <laughs> um, was provided by Lois Ayers, who in 1986 was something of a big name porn star. Yes, she's actually been. We've covered her in Eat It and Beat It in the Eat It and Beat It show with her, um, the Dark Brothers two part epic, Devil and Miss Jones part one and two. The Dark Brothers. Oh my lord. Have you ever seen Chris? Have you ever seen Gregory Dark's? I think one, one mainstream feature film. No, he's he, well. No, I haven't. Uh, he he had like a mainstream feature film, and then he had a whole series of like made-for-cable nudie horrors yeah. too. But he he did he did the third, I want to say, WWE Films production. See no evil. Oh, with Kane. With Kane, yes. And oh, jeez. That whole film looks like it was it was soaked in garbage water. It, it was. That's it really his. Was. That's kind of his style, I think. That's amazing, man. But <sighs> dirty, dirty man. I, and I want to say, it, it was this film constantly. I was constantly taken out of this film because I was like, wait, I've been to that Hagen dazs shop. I've been to that McDonald's. Because it's like, Queens, man. Yeah, no, it's all over Queens. And it's like, wait a minute. You bullshitting me. This ain't no other city. <laughs> they're getting ready to go on tour now. Yeah. <laughs> they just they just hired Ray. If you're hanging out in a motel room, you're hanging out in the Q Motor Inn, which is a fucking sleazy-ass hot sheets motel. Okay, did you guys notice this early on? Mm-hmm. There's a scene with them outside of a, out on the street, and I think they did it for continuity, uh, for the direction that people were talking, but I think they reversed the footage because the, the, the name of the, the store behind him is Backwards. And then I'm wondering, maybe it's just a pretentious store and they had their name backwards and stuff. Was this when, when uh, Lois Ayers is about to pick them up? It might have been. It was outside Because that's of one of the few shots that was um, that was done in Manhattan. I wonder if the store didn't want their, their name in the movie, though. Possibly. It, it could be. It, it could be. But then there was a reverse shot. And with a character looking a certain way, and I said, "Oh, okay. So if they had, if they shot it backwards accidentally, and then did this reverse shot, it's not going to look mm. right. So they might have just like flipped the film over to make it <laughs> to make the continuity work, and just hope nobody was reading the store right. sign in the back of it, which was framed in the middle of the the frame too." So. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know. Think there's that, and there's the 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 scene where they where they um oh, you want to talk about non actors, um uh, Rick Manello, Arthur Ratner takes yeah. them all out to lunch. The NoHo Star is an actual restaurant in um 
you know, in the village. Mm-hmm. I have been there. It is not as ritzy as it has it is portray- tried to be portrayed in that film. Hey, hey, Tom, you don't have crabs, do you? <laughs> no, no, I don't have crabs. Get the hell now away from me! To the movie cat. <laughs> what exactly were the Beastie Boys making? I don't know, other than a mess. Because yeah, they just they just said they just told them to act up and put a camera there. Because yeah. in it, it, with a with a bigger budget movie, you would have had you would have had it all acted out and and some close up shots of what they were doing. But they were yeah. just they were just piling up all their food. Out. They were just working with what yeah. they had. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> you're the Beastie Boys. Just be destructive and obnoxious. Exactly. We could do that. Yeah, they and they did. Um, I, I, they just passed the scene where Ray fixed the car, and I want to know. <laughs> The captain's story. Oh, the there's another like, great, great quote-unquote actor, the guy who was the the, the boss. Oh, really? Of the, of the show. That guy was so bad. He I was. Think he also doubled as one of the cops. Oh, I bet he did. I, I wasn't looking too close to the cop stories in the film, but I need. To, I'll look again here in a few minutes when it rolls back around. This is a quick movie too. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. the runtime is only an hour twenty-two. Yeah. And and of that eighty eight minutes, about fifteen is is concert footage. Yeah, and but like I great concert footage. At well, that. that's the thing is that's the thing is you had that that that's where the movie really shines because you got Rick Rubin. He's already involved in the music and like, and I noticed early on like mm-hmm. in the in the early performances, they if they weren't just. Per, filming a live performance they taped it live or they taped it to sound mm-hmm. like because there was a there was a live sound to the mics mm-hmm. and it sounded like a live concert in a little club and then when you got towards the end when they were when they were victorious and having their big show then you could tell it had been like recorded in a studio and yeah, sort of was like being lip synced along to more like a mm-hmm. music video yes. but it was really good in the beginning of it to hear the stuff like you would hear it in a club if right. you were, you know, going to catch Run DMC at a club with well, and Slick Rick and the Beastie Boys all playing at once in some little shitty club. Yeah, that that last sequence, the sequence just before the credits, um, I think once again, I think I recognize that venue. <laughs> <laughs> You've been everywhere, and, bro. And, and it was it was obvious to me that it was an actual. It was an actual concert. They just decided to pick B-roll up at, at. Mm. and you'll notice in the in the in the audience, the audience is very mixed. Yeah, it's a very diverse crowd. It, it struck me because, of course, back in those day, back in 1986, rap was, you know, the other. Right. Well, the the funny thing about it is, is I've I've gotten like lucked out twice to to have just lucked into seeing Daryl McDaniel's um, once at a local college. My roommate just found out about it. He gave a free lecture, mm-hmm. and we walked right up into the front of the stage, and he was basically he was basically talking about. And it's funny because. His upbringing was not inner city. He grew up middle class. Right. He's like, he's like, we listened to, you know, we were listening to 
the Eagles and Led Zeppelin. That was the music that we were listening to Aerosmith. And we were listening to that classic 70s rock. And that's what yeah. we were into, you know. We, mm-hmm. And that's and so he was like, it was natural that our audience that we picked up was like half black and half white because we were touching on, you know, both both cultural both worlds yeah yeah and <clears throat> so well, yeah you I, know I, I, despite what? what the media wanted us to to believe there was a great deal of respect between the between hard particularly um hardcore and punk and rap yeah oh yeah sure they, they, they went they hand in hand yeah each, yeah and you know, enjoyed each other, so to speak, and heck, there was the uh, the Anthrax Public Enemy tour. There was oh yeah, Anthrax and Public Enemy, and like, and like the Beastie Boys getting shit from a lot of rappers at first, and then a bunch of rappers saying, "Look, these guys rap about they're doing rap. They're not trying to copy us. They're doing, right. you know, the rap about what they do. You know, so right. they're, they're they're legitimate. You know, and yes, they right." Are. And they must go on tour for with us for the same amount of money. <laughs> for the same amount of money. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it took me a minute, but I completely forgot that DMC used to have an awful stuttering problem, and he didn't like to do public speaking because he he barely says anything the whole movie. And I was thinking that was like, oh, it's because he's just he just got out of prison. He's supposed to be like the tough one out of the group, and then it just hit me. I'm like, yo, he literally had problems speaking in public until like he worked on it, and I was like. Cause I remember, like in the '90s, like when he started doing like shows and right. and like like just the talking head kind of stuff, especially in the early 2000s. Like mm-hmm. he even came out and admitted that he had trouble just publicly speaking. Like rap was one thing, performing, but mm-hmm. when it came to him actually talking, like it was just not a big thing for him because he was so embarrassed. So I completely it's like forgot Ralph about Tillis. Mhm. Yeah. And also, I might add one of my also big country favorites is buck owens and we even had a buck owens song in this in the redneck bar <laughs> shout out to buck owens man yeah well first we go to the redneck bar then we go to the white boy bar oh man how about a jam master jay say it throwing the bottle at the glass and i always wanted yes. to do this i've always wanted to do that Bra- breaking fingers <laughs> oh my god this little piggy with the bar <laughs> This is my favorite piggy. Exactly. And here, here's Ruben about to shoot the poor guy who uh, was robbing him, stealing money. And here comes poor unfortunate Ray. Oh, poor Ray. Ray. I, I think that if if I was writing this, that is the one thing I would do is I would have introduced Ray a lot better, a lot sooner. I think, sooner. I think this is where Chris Rock got his sprinkle some crack. Or, or no, it was... Um, Pookie? Um, the, the, um, not, not Chris Rock. Um... Um, insanely popular comic for the TV show. Got the sprinkle the crack on him joke. Uh oh, better sprinkle oh, the crack Chappelle, on him. Oh, Chappelle. Chappelle, yes. Uh-huh. Go put some crack on that. That crack was looks suspiciously like pills too. Yes, it yes, looks like crack to me. I know crack, crack now in pill form. <laughs> and back to Ricky D. <laughs> Treating her like a prostitute. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, now man. I'm gonna go to prison soon. On it, and yeah, I mean, this is the same year he released his debut album, The Great Adventures of Slick Rick, which is a classic. 
And then it was like a year or so later, he ended up going to prison in like 1990 or 89, and he didn't come out to like 90. No, he didn't come out to like 96 or something like that, to be honest, because he, he was all hemmed up for a while. I, I got to tell you the truth. I'm surprised there weren't other Def Jam artists. I was thinking that, too. I thought we would uh, on, see. On this thing. I mean, I can, okay, I understand why they, they gave Slick Rick a, um, basically a, a showcase because he was just coming out. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but I'm just surprised that there, there weren't other DM, uh, other Def Jam um, acts. The obvious one would have been LL, but LL yeah. at the time was probably was probably like I don't want to be in their movie because Crush Groove had already been out by now. So yeah. I, I kind of feel like he had been there, done that, and mm-hmm. I mean, if this is '88, let's see what's that. Walking with a Panther, am I thinking wrong? But I know. 90 was Mama Said Knock You Out when that came out. Yes, yes. 90 so was he, Mama Said. So we're so, talking about, um, oh, what is, the, what is the, the song LL did where the video was him breaking into somebody's, somebody's house to steal some jewels or something? Oh, and my. It was, it was like a heist spoof. Uh, I've not seen that in years, probably since my MTV days. To be completely honest with you, Tom, it's been that Of course, long. I can't think of "Welcome Back," "Welcome," yeah, "Welcome Back to Cali" without thinking of "Welcome Back to Brooklyn," the spoof Colin Quinn did on MTV. <laughs> yes. Uh, gum like she was castrating me. <laughs> I think "Going Back to Cali" was actually around this time. It was '87. Was "Going Back to Cali"? So yeah. yeah. That's so, crazy. I mean, this is an interesting time in, in the development of hip-hop because it's becoming slowly integrated into, quote-unquote, normal pop culture. Yep. But it hasn't quite broken yet. I know a lot of people like to point to um, Run DMC doing the, the cover of Walk This Way mm-hmm. as being the thing that broke it. But I don't know. I I, I don't I don't want to give Aerosmith that credit. <laughs> I kind of want to always give it to Straight Outta Compton, for real, because that that was in '88 as well when that came out, and re- really it took that level of national attention with mm-hmm. uh, "Fuck the Police" to um, right. yes. really grip the nation, and then of course all the the suburban kids are like. Man, they have a song called Fuck Police. Let's listen to this. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. So yeah, I feel like that was like, like, I, I was already listening to, uh, like, Public Enemy. Yes. Yeah, well, pu- Public Enemy and that and made NWA and Two Live Crew were scaring the were scaring the hell out of people. And uh, on the whole opposite end of the spectrum, around this time also, I was listening to a lot of the recently passed Biz Marquee. Yes. Damn it, is not a one-hit wonder, folks. He is not. That man is a hip hop pioneer in so many ways. Yes. He's uh, he's not just a cameo in Men in Black too. Yeah, yeah, and, and unfortunately he will go down in history for um, basically codifying sampling rules. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's the one that ruined it for everybody by mistake. For everybody, yes. Technically, Gilbert O'Sullivan is the one that ruined yeah. it for everybody. Yeah, Gil. Well, what is up with Gilbert O'Sullivan? You you would think that like he would be just like, sure, you know, I'm an artist. Somebody wants to. Somebody and like that. The, the, and the product of that wasn't like a lift of his song. It just was like a little lilt of it, you know. Yeah. And it was very wittily done, and it was very artistic and it was its own thing it wasn't crassly offensive or anything no. you know it was yeah I yeah but really a stick dope. in the mud yeah i, yeah. I no, put and, him and, in the and, hall of shame with metallica i may be one of the few people who actually saw the music video for alone again oh did you yes because they showed it on mtv like the, the first week uh i need a haircut came out and then it disappeared well, it's got to be on YouTube, but I'm about, I'm about to look right now. now, right? You would think if, if tougher than leather, you would think on there, somebody would have snuck it out there somewhere. It has to be on there. And the but funny thing it, is, oh, I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. If it ever aired <laughs> at one point, somebody got it on VHS and, and stuck it on YouTube or the Internet Archive. Uh, I don't I don't see it. It's not coming up. Gilbert uh, O'Sullivan's people could have had it taken off YouTube. Jesus. Oh, my God. Isn't he dead by now? No, he's still alive. What uh, a bastard. Can I just say, Alone Again Naturally was a song that, that I thought was very profound when I was a kid. It's a, it's and a I listen to it song. now, and I'm like, you are such a fucking whiner. Yes. Well, yeah. Oh, no, but that's what it is. It's like it's like the ultimate in whiny feeling sorry for yourself song. And as such, it succeeds. It, well, like well, as a little kid, also, that, that stuff plays really well because it's so just ridiculous. <laughs> also, to be fair, this was um, the very early 70s where there, there was a kind of small spike in what I like to call forgive me for being an asshole. Soft <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's exactly the name for it. You know, because this was also the well. Era there was there was of... there was a lot of like I'm a I'm a creepy stalker like romantic yeah. soft rock songs too. It was like this evil brew. And as much as I respect Rupert Holmes, fuck you for running the 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 escape <laughs> song. I still don't know if it's if it's a genius skewering of of because it wasn't it's it's one of those songs that if he meant that to be like just like look how shallow and awful we are as human beings yeah and and well, I think that's not how it was at, taken it was taken yeah. as like oh what a funny heartwarming story about these two hollow people i think if you look at it in the context of holmes's career as a whole it's obviously meant to be mocking of the, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. characters. That's it's usually how it is. You yeah. know, it's like born in the USA or... Yes. You because know, there's, remember, there's this is also the man who wrote the song about cannibalism. <laughs> oh, man, I need to do one of those. What, a song about cannibalism? Absolutely. Well, I you think know the every story behind that. One. You know the story behind that, right, Kalen? I do not. Okay. Uh, there was this band called The Boys. B-O-U-Y-S. Okay. They were in danger of being um, let, let go of, from their label. And they were desperate for a hit. And they went to Rupert Holmes 
and they said, you know what? We we know we're going to be we're going to be let go, but we want to give them a big fuck you in, in the, the, the 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 form of a hit song <laughs> that nobody would expect would be a hit song. Okay. And Rupert Holmes says, "All I can think of," he, he thought about this for a while. Is that all I can think of is cannibalism? <laughs> so he wrote Timothy, and sure enough, Timothy was a hit song. That's it hilarious. A, it was a big East Coast like standard for a while, and, uh, and to the point where the record label put out a statement saying, "Well, Timothy was actually a donkey." <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was the person. <laughs> he was a bison. Oh man. But, Might have been yeah. an ass, but he wasn't a donkey. He was an ass. <laughs> And he went to to the other guy's ass, but that's all I have to say. Great companion. respect for Rupert Holmes, but I I hate the escape song, and I think part of it is because it has been so misinterpreted. That's crazy. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to listen to this song now. I don't think I've ever heard it. You've never heard Timothy? It's 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 a decent enough song. But it's, uh, once I hear it, like here, actually the melody, I'll probably be like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I it's it's a decent enough song, but it just uh, the, the gall that it took to say we're gonna write we're gonna write a top ten hit about cannibals <laughs> is is just amazing. But um, mm. well, I'm but, sure there's no, I, I plenty of death metal out there that covers that territory. Yeah, yeah. Death Probably. metal is, is all about. Death I metal probably got eighty-four Ed Gein songs, you know. Yeah. Um, but the uh, I have now lost my train of thought. That's okay. It went over the LIRR uh, trestle in Forest Hills, which you can see very prominently <laughs> in that scene that's supposed to be taking place in another city. So. <laughs> It's, it's literally, it's like, what, what, the, the scene outside the police precinct, I'm like, that's the police precinct in Flushing, out, out, you know, on Northern Boulevard. <laughs> I like how they punch out the cop and everybody, yeah. all the other cops are just like, ah, he's all drunk. drunk again. Now, I wish, <laughs> right. I wish that, that one scene where they were chasing after him and they kept turning around the Hasidic Jews thinking it was Run DMC. And then the last one was, gets, is the punch in the face with yeah. the... With the Batman, you know, yeah, how yeah. and then the and then the shattering glass. I wish they would have done a little more of that. I think that I think they could have. As soon as that happened, I'm like, ooh, let's have uh, let's have a few more of those little transitions. I like that. See, it's like I think that there was a tension between wanting to be just a bunch of got bunch of friends hanging out and trying to make this into a quote-unquote legitimate film because every once in a while you get these scenes with these obvious art school framing like that last sequence where they confront arthur yes and it's just the shadows and it's like we will be watching you yes (laughs) well he had a visual style i mean there's like there's a color scheme to it there's a lot of like browns and blues it has a very like sort of Vaseline on the lens 70s look to it. He really did like 
watch mm-hmm. his 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 exploitation movies and and, think, and got the look and feel of it down. Yeah, I think if he had more time, because let's face it, like this came out when the album dropped, and then they had to go mm-hmm. on tour, and they're working on new music, and he had to go work with LL. Like, like they were very busy at this time. This is like peak run up of Def Jam. So mm-hmm. I feel like with more time, like I, I would not be surprised to see Rick Rubin do an even better job with with editing and oh yeah this, this film. But and at I the same time, everyone to do other ones, honestly. I well, it was all set up because because I'm like, well, now that now they've pissed off, they've killed the son of the mafia, Don. You know, it's it's mob war now. And then I'm like, oh, the movie's almost over. So that's that's the setup if they ever had to do the sequel, is they could mm-hmm. fight the dad. You know, the dad comes after with with double revenge. But no, I should have been know, a down with the king movie. I also think with movies like that, they're so cheap to make that they thought mm-hmm. like, and and there's been a rich tradition of, you know, tie-ins with with the hot, up and coming musical acts since like the fifties. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really, of of just you know, putting the barest premise around it, and as long as you've got five songs in the in the album or in the in the movie, you know, that's that's mostly what people are coming to see you know they're they're, right. they're coming to see they're the people who do the music on the screen doing stuff basically mm-hmm. you know and and i think at the time like people like the mass audiences were going like "Ooh, there's rick rubin there's russell simmons you know but run dmc well, yeah, yeah also keep in mind it's, this is 86 so um a lot of people who went to see this film probably weren't going to get a chance to see Run DMC live in 1986. This is true. Nope. Uh, by the way, Chris, I didn't see him till the late 90s, till their like reunion. Mm-hmm. I just okay. want to say, Chris, that if you and Dario ever do Ejacula the Vampire, oh my God, okay, and Ejacula Two. Which are, are are part of uh, Lois Ayers' um, filmography. Filmography, yes. I I want in. Okay. So to speak. <laughs> Here comes the big gun for Red. <laughs> no matter what sort of weird angle you can find, there's a Dracula movie for it. I right. still want to find a copy of Defula. Um, it it may there. I know there's parts of it on YouTube. Well, I want the whole. I want to watch the whole thing. I don't want to watch just clips. I watch clips of it. You may not want to watch the whole thing. It okay. looks. Okay. Defula, looks, of course, is it's. First in, I mean, it might be so fun to find, but yeah, yeah, it's uh It's the first in a series of one film made entirely in American Sign Language. And of course, it's about a fucking vampire. <laughs> what? <laughs> Duffy, well, I get it now. <laughs> yes. Of course, that could also have been like a, a remake of Blackula. It was an, it was an odd, it was, it was odd because it was just straight up Dracula, but the, it was also like um, mixed uh, deaf and hearing and speaking actors, mm-hmm. which is very, very. I went, to, well, I went to school at RIT, and and one of RIT's big things that had a school of the deaf 
that was huge. It was the that and Gallaudet in DC were like the two biggest schools of the deaf. Mm-hmm. And they the the one of the major things that the the deaf students did was theater. Mm-hmm. And they were always putting on plays that were like combination it was always a combination of speak so so some people would speak their lines some people would sign their lines mm-hmm. and have somebody off to the side speaking the lines it was very it was very interesting and i saw a, i i went to one out of curiosity and i kept going back to them because they were actually good but the, it, you had to get used to it <laughs> once you got used to it it translated just fine you know it's it still they managed to make it flow it was like a big deal so they were really good at it so um this it seems like every for for a while it seems like every 10 years there was an attempt to revive black exploitation films yeah for a while there because this is like the first wave then there's like a second wave in uh the late 90s which early 2000s actually, yeah yeah which actually gave us hell there's even there there was even a uh a tim story directed reboot of the reboot of of shaft oh we we've talked about that movie before oh, yeah my so. favorite was a couple years ago the um I think it was called. It was the. Uh, there's a new Purge movie out, but it was the last Purge movie before it. Uh, the first Purge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up and down black exploitation movie, and like we were we were like 15 in, minutes into the like. We went to see the first Purge movie, just out of curiosity, and we're like, that was okay for a low budget movie, and I'll go see the second one just to see where they go with it, and they it's been like an uphill climb. Yeah. And each movie, you're about 10, 15 minutes into it and go, oh, this is going to be, you know, a conspiracy theory movie. And, right. and this one, like, it was it was like 10, 15 minutes. It's like, oh, my God, this is sort of like New Jack City meets The Purge. Well, well the, the thing about the first beautiful. Purge film is they changed the plot at the very last minute. Did the original, the original, um, it wasn't called the first purge then, but the original plan for um, that film was it was going to be a direct sequel to the purge election year, right? Right. Which with was- the the new founding fathers assassinating the new president and seizing control, and then of course. What happened in 2016 happened, and it didn't seem like a funny idea anymore. No, it wasn't funny at all. So they switched to um, to to the idea of doing the first purge. I'm glad they did because it was great. And, and now, of course, we've got an, another purge film that also isn't quite as funny as I think it was meant to be conceived as. No, no, the, the, the purge has taken on a life of its own to mm-hmm. where the purges, people people are just like, well, it's going to be like five years and we'll have the purge. You know, it's it's yeah. now, right. it's been, it was immediately, alarmingly adopted into our vocabulary. Mm-hmm. 
So we run far afield of tougher. The cl- classic American cautionary tale becomes blueprint. <laughs> yeah. We we knew we would. So this is okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not expect. Well, we're off cannibalism. At yes, least. we're off cannibalism, yes. and we're, we're Thank goodness. tougher than leather. Hey, how about that Bernie? Me. Didn't he look like like the dollar store Matthew McConaughey? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> that was Richard Edson. Yeah. He Famed was a Wish.com McConaughey. Wish.com. <laughs> perhaps best known for being in the Jim, in a Jim Jarmusch films. He was in um, what's what's which I'm I'm looking for the right one because I want to get the name right because sometimes I get the the yeah Stranger Than Paradise. Ah, okay. He was in he was that was his first um, I was his first role, and he went on to be in a lot of really good films in the late '80s, early '90s, and also in a uh, video by REM called Bittersweet Me. Bittersweet meat? Bittersweet me, not meat. Oh, thank God. It's entirely different film. It's an entirely different thought we film. were back on cannibalism again. Yes. Well, actually, I was thinking bittersweet meat about something else. So was I. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bittersweet meat? I hardly even know her. Here we go. Yes. R.E.M. Bittersweet me. Oh, man. So... So Vic's bodyguard just bit it, and for some reason my eyes were drawn to his pants, and his his crotch was well defined for some reason I don't know why, but it definitely. When I, I was looking at the the cast list just now, and it says Stephen N. Williams, and for a second I was thinking, wait a minute, that guy who played Crate and Juke in Jason Goes to Hell wasn't in this movie. <laughs> Wrong. You Stephen know, Mr. X wasn't in this movie, but no, right. Just a just a black actor. Yeah. <laughs> But that would be great, wouldn't it? Creighton Duke. That would have been interesting. Creighton Duke, kind of like you know, given given the uh, given Run DMC some advice on how to on how to hunt down Whitey. <laughs> Take this, Whitey. Well, They're very efficient killers, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and, and they use the same. Um, method that Creighton Duke uses in Jason Goes to Hell on that one guy in the alleyway. That's true. Breaking yep. the fingers. Breaking the fingers. Breaking, breaking the records head. and breaking the fingers. All right. Running the charts and running down Whitey. <laughs> I just I just love, I love you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> love you too, David. <sighs> Oh man, my, you is my buddy. <laughs> Facts. So. This is I'm I don't know if is this on Blu-ray. I don't or, think so. I, I'm thinking not. Because I got it. I I had to find a digital copy, and it was in the VHS format. Well, well, on I noticed on youtube they had a they had like vhs rips of it and then they had the the dvd, DVD quality. quality that's the one yeah. i'm watching and it was like from a uh japanese video disc it looks very so, good so this might be one of those things where it could be the music holding it up yeah 
you know, that it, it could be the soundtrack that's keeping it in limbo. I bet you they don't even have the rights to this anymore, to be honest, because I'm not yeah. sure who put who put the movie out, like yeah. the studio. Because I know it said like Deaf Deaf America or something. Yeah, but that's that's probably not even a thing anymore. So who knows who actually Production owns it? Company, Deaf Pictures, distributor, New Line Cinema, all oh, media. That explains it. There you go. <laughs> Good old New Line. How's uh, that Freddie built? And in Greece, although except in Greece, where it was it was distributed by Spensos Film Home Video. <laughs> sure, it was huge in Greece. Yes. Amen. I say that sarcastically, but it very well might have been now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> it's hard to tell. You never know, man. Things pop off differently in different parts of the world. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I found one of the greatest things ever it's a website that's basically it's the the google globe but instead of like you can you zoom in on the cities or whatever you know just like you could on google globe but it marks wherever a radio station is Mm -hmm. so you can just go anywhere on the globe and you'll see little green dots where there's a radio station playing and you can hear it oh wow Mm -hmm. that's very cool and then you start getting into the hinterlands of the globe, you know, the places mm-hmm. where you see like large patches of nothing and then a dot mm-hmm. and stuff like in Africa and stuff. And like you'll hit that dot and it'll pop up and half the time it's gangster rap or Prince <laughs> or Michael Jackson <laughs> or Michael Jackson <laughs> or Michael Jackson in the middle of nowhere always like it's like do you remember yeah yeah it's like Prince and Michael Jackson are like truly worldwide being played in every country and then you get into parts of Europe uh, you know little you know little like Scandinavian countries that have lots of like folk music and weird arty jazz. And then they'll have the most incredible country stations of all time that are just playing the, the like good real country music. Real country music? Yeah, and on some little island, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course. In the of nowhere. It's I am looking for I'm looking at the alternate titles that this thing played played uh, under in Ooh. other countries. Okay. Um, in Spain, it was called Cuidad Sangrieta, which I assume translates roughly into City of Blood. Okay. Uh, in Greece, it was called Mavroid Dynamites. Okay. Not Mavroid Dynamite. Mavroid Dynamites. Dynamites. Yes. And gotcha. in West Germany, it was it was released as Mad Dogs im Schatten de Gewalt. That's exactly what I would have named it. Yes, <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Oh, absolutely. Rolls right off the tongue, just like uh, just like Akadekaganagan Theater works. But <laughs> <laughs> that's easy to say every that's time. Easy. Just like, just like, Tom's just getting it down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the main reason everybody wanted to to rebrand as ATW is because they finally had to start um, pronouncing Akadekagadagan Theater Works. And they're like, wow, that's a lot. (laughs) 
that really hurts. Let's make it easier <laughs> on ourselves. So, but anyway, um, I think that this this film is kind of worthwhile, even though it is, guys, it is very very low budget. I'm trying to find a budget uh, a budget. I kind of love it. I kind of love it. I, I have a feeling I'll be revisiting it many times because I think I will too. It's charming as hell. Oh yeah, no, it's it's obvious to me that these were people who just enjoyed being together, doing something instead of making a doing a concert or doing a uh, you know a documentary doing a or... documentary or something. She said, "Let's let's do a crime movie." With no money. With no money. Get, a, get our friends to shoot it, and it, it's a, it's a nice little ride. I gotta admit, like, I I was I, I like do the Letterbox website. I don't know if you guys are familiar where they rank the movies right. and stuff. Yep, yep. Um, and I was I like to kind of like start my reviews off with at least a three. Three means it's kind of like your baseline. You either lose stars or gain stars from there, and. I think this is a solid three. I don't think it goes any higher than that, but I would give it a three, <laughs> which means I would like to I'll rewatch it on multiple occasions just because I, I, I look, like it. I'm trying to find the. I'm looking now at, at Box Office Mojo. I looked in Wikipedia. I'm trying to find what the budget was. Let me tweet Rick Rubin real quick. <laughs> oh, Rick, <laughs> how like, much yeah. did you pay? Yeah, uh, you know, he flips this beautiful gray mane. He might yeah. be in Atlanta with Kanye right now, though. Last I heard, so he might be a little busy. Oh, is Kanye still still at the Mercedes Benz? He's still holed up in that damn He's stadium. He's up in there sleeping on the stage. Yes, sleeping in the locker room, man, making this damn album that I don't care about, but apparently everybody else does. That was supposedly do you finished. Listen to, do you watch Anthony Fantano on YouTube? Yes, I I I, I, I do watch him from time to time. But then I get mad at him because he never likes any of the albums I like. <laughs> like this Charles Gambino record. Because he did a good. thing about the the live performance of Donda. Oh, did he? Last that dropped last night. I'm, I might have to throw that in the watch later. Yeah, yeah, it's classic. Uh, but um, yeah, I can't find it. I mean, it was a very limited release, apparently. It opened in only 130 theaters. It actually sounds pretty good, is his, is his quote. Okay. I'll throw it in there. Let's see if I get okay. mad at him. Not, it, it probably will, because he said it sounded good. I haven't listened to any of it yet, though. I didn't watch the performance or anything. Well, it's like how, how I, I, I greatly value the, the work of Finn McKenty on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But every time he starts making... I'm making fun of the Dropkick Murphys. I'm like, take that back. <laughs> take that back. Yeah. He's like, like, why don't you like the things I like? I need you to. Yeah, no, but the thing, the thing about Finn McKenty is that he, he talks about music from a business because he is a master's of business administration. Right. So he talks about it in a business context, and it's very fascinating to me. That's very cool. I've heard of him. I don't think I've ever watched him, so maybe I'll check out some of his stuff. And he's been doing a lot of stuff now with uh, Trap House. Oh, nice. Hyper Pop and all all the these new things, and and all the the butthurt new metal fans are going. 
Why don't you just call yourself the Trap NBA? It's not about punk rock anymore. It's like, well, this is where music is interesting right now. It's in, in these things. Right. So, um, and I want to talk about it. So, fuck you. It's my channel. <laughs> he did a video recently. You should look it up. Where he looks at old new metal um, yeah. music videos. And it's like entitled... New new metal videos were cringe. They were the ugliest stuff ever <laughs> filmed. They were just like watching them now is embarrassing. Like watching actually almost any music video from that time period is embarrassing. But the new metal stuff is like really yeah. trying hard to be embarrassing. <laughs> well, it was it, it was a weird time for music videos in that they were on their way out. And um, music just had a crappy visual aesthetic at that point, like almost like the 80s had uh, like a crappy aesthetic, but it was kind of cheesy and fun. Yes. Whereas whereas the the new metal aesthetic was so drab and overexposed and ugly and and just sort of like, yeah, it was just not 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 fun to look at (laughs) not at all so so i think we all are in agreement that has a a kind of a record of the time well it also just has just the 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 equivalent of watching guys play play uh, an rpg game in real life yeah, yeah, no, like watching Rudy Ray Moore movies and watching yeah. the Eddie Murphy Dolomite is my name mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. And I've always been a fan of uh, I, I love the movie Bowfinger mm-hmm. and the, the, those, you know, those just shaggy dog make a movie stories mm-hmm. where the story of how the movie made is made is like integrated into the it's it's you can't separate it from the into story the movie's really. DNA. Yeah, and 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 when you, you when you're watching this, it's not just you know the movie and the story are secondary. It's the it's like you know picturing Run DMC like yeah this is okay in this movie we're gonna okay we we tag team the porn star yeah and then we kick everybody's ass <laughs> just and then we're gonna perform our kick never they never get their asses kicked. They never yes, get the there, there's no, there's no. Whenever uh, there's a fight, you always see them on top punching ball. down. <laughs> never, even never. When, there's even never when, a part where they get almost beaten down to the last spot and then they they rally back or anything. Nope, they just be, they just beat they everybody down. And that makes it ten times better. And even when Jam Master Jakey was coming into the office before they signed the record deal and everything. And runs like, man, he had he was in a fight outside. He's like, no, I wasn't in a fight. The other guy was in a fight. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, I didn't have an accident. He had an he accident. He had an accident, yes. He accidentally <laughs> ran into me. <laughs> Actually, Jam Master J was, of the three of them, I think he was the one that, that's had the most confidence on screen. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had the most confidence. presence, absolutely. R.I.P. Jam Master J, man. So, um, so 
Caitlin. Yeah. Where else can people find you? Beside, of course, if you go to Bandcamp and you look up B hyphen, you will find a cornucopia of great music. While you are semi retired. Yes. From from the mic, although I think I'm trying I have tried to coax you. It's coming. Yeah, onto the mic a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I highly recommend you you go over to his Bandcamp page and listen to his music because it is great. Are you saying the Where three else? of us the three of us should hit CD Queen's karaoke bars sometime and and ravage the place? Is that what you're I've saying? I've been dying to see Thomas DJ sing karaoke for about ten years now. So yeah. oh, I, I well, can I've I, seen I lots of pictures. At the time I recorded, what did I record for you? Wasn't it payphone? It was payphone, yes, because I, I did both the uh, uh, what's his name, Nuts McGee. What's Nuts McGee? <laughs> Wiz Khalifa. No, no, I wasn't thinking of Wiz Khalifa. No, I was thinking of the, oh, the guy Adam, Adam, Adam That's Levine. That's I call the Nuts McGee. Adam Levine, yes, he is Nuts McGee. I agree, he's a dude. And, and Wiz Khalifa got a joint. <laughs> Always. <laughs> that's how. That's how he should end every one of his every one of his verses. Got a joint. Hey, yo, fuck that shit. Did you see the movie he did with Snoop Dogg? Have you seen it? Oh, my God. All right. Welcome to the Honeywell Experiment. We're going to talk about Ha Ha starring uh, Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa. (laughs) First off, I am sorry, (laughs) even though Snoop Dogg is supposed to be playing one of those eternal uh, seniors. Snoop is like 50 in this movie. Yeah. Exactly, he's supposed to be. I mean, okay, there's one gag that's kind of funny where he has his letter jacket on, mm-hmm. and like all down the, the the side of his sleeve are all the the years that he was supposed to graduate, and they're crossed out. Yes, but it's awful. It's like they just, and it's not coherent. I mean, there's a there's a plot to it if you believe it or not. But each scene literally just seems like they're like, okay, we're going to put you guys in this room, say these lines. Put you in this this set, say these lines. So there's no continuity at all. And it's if like, you like anapomorphic um, weed, there's <laughs> one but two, two pieces of anapomorphic weed in it. Yes. Well, I think there's a cultural phenomenon with weed going on right now. Hell, where there are people who are rich who can make movies who now can just sit in a fog of weed laughing like i mean kevin smith made a movie based on like laughing getting too stoned before a podcast oh, and he God. and his co-host were are you like talking about tusk tusk <laughs> they, they start talking yeah. about tusk and they're like it's just two stone people go you know riffing on a stupid movie idea and then they're like, and then it got made into in the. Uh, yeah, well, no, because you know people, what? Because it was a person with enough money to go like, I'm, and and who is still probably continuously stoned enough to go like, let's do this. And they mm-hmm. called up Johnny Depp and they said, Johnny Depp, you like pot too, right? Well, well, no, no, it, it, it's not that. It's that um, Johnny Depp's daughter is Harley Quinn Smith's right. best friend. 
Right. Yeah. So it was like but that's hey, yoga hoses. Johnny, yeah. Johnny Depp. Yeah, they gave jo- they gave these? Johnny Depp some edibles and said, "Look, you just do Inspector Clouseau." I, I think it was more a case of, "Hey, Johnny Depp, what have you always wanted to do?" Well, I've always wanted to be Inspector Clouseau. So I didn't watch any of those those Kevin Smith films, and I and I love Kevin Smith, but Cuss, no tusks, no yoga hosers. I haven't seen yoga hosers yet, but I gotta say, low key. Red State and Tusk are two of the most adventuresome. Red State I've watched. I like that. Loved. I I was like that. I for I was watching it going. Kevin Smith is becoming a real filmmaker now. Well, now <laughs> and he has Tusk to be. Came out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing though is that he realized he can make more money podcasting, which is yeah. what um, Conan O'Brien is now discovered and goes, Hey, wait. Why do I have to go and put makeup on and do a nightly show every week? You do mm-hmm. a show every night of the week when I can just sit here and make podcasts and like just hang out in my pajamas if I wanted to, and I'd still make yep. the same amount of money. Right. So, so, but yeah, but that's, I mean, that's why you don't see a lot of Kevin Smith films anymore because Kevin Smith said, I'm Looking a family guy. Three now. Well, I mean, what happened was when they he almost. Funny. Where yeah. it's just like, I don't have to make a movie unless I want to make a movie. Yeah, and plus... And I want to hang out with my daughter on set for an afternoon with her best friend. I can do I'll that. make a movie. What also happened is when he almost died, everybody felt yeah. bad for him who wasn't getting the money to do these movies. Because he mm-hmm. was trying to get Clerks 3 done like before he had the heart, the heart incident. And then everybody's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, sure we'll do those Jay and Silent Bob. Which is awesome for me, but then... And then sure we'll do a clerk story. So he he's definitely getting some goodwill um, from the from the studios because they were not fucking with him for like a good well like, yeah six or seven years after the whole Sundance it wasn't Sundance where he was like I'm gonna buy my own movie and all that stuff and yeah yeah that, pissed that, everybody yeah. off yeah yeah he I mean like uh, I think starting with like what the the that. Um, the first Jay and Silent Bob strike back was where he started just sort of like thumbing his nose a little bit, which, yes. you know, I mean, he'd probably bet, you know, it, it, he was probably in a position where he always thought it would be great to thumb your nose at Hollywood and, and right. just as a pipe dream. And with the actual reality of it facing him, he was probably like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. I don't care. Yeah, he's got the, got that attitude. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I've been avoiding yoga hosers because <laughs> I've, I've, I've been pretty happy with almost that. You know, even the last Jay and Silent Bob Netflix one was pretty charming in points, you know. But oh, yes. Yeah. Miniature Nazi zombies made of sausage. Bratzies. Bratzies, yeah. <laughs> but, um... See, that's, uh, that's something that people think I'm stoned and they go, that's great. And it, then it never gets made into a movie. But like, I mean, it's a magical time because now it gets there was there was sort of shit like that going on in the 70s, too. There were a lot mm-hmm. of movies in the 70s where like well, th- there's a whole stretch of Burt Reynolds Skidoo, career Skidoo that is just... and stuff like that. You yeah, know. No, no, there's a, there's a whole bunch of uh, Burt Reynolds career, which is just I want to hang out with my friends for. um yeah, for a, a, a summer. Who wants to give me money to make that happen? 
Yeah, oh, so you mean um, like Adam Sandler? I was just gonna say that's Adam Sandler's career right now. Well, no, yeah, Adam, yeah that's what I Somebody ought to write a book about comparing the career of Adam Sandler and Burt Reynolds. Here's the thing about Adam Sandler. Um, is that from what I understand, even though he may not be anybody's taste, he is apparently one of the most genuinely nicest people on earth. Yes, I've heard that. Well, yeah, he's supporting a bunch of his untalented friends. That's pretty nice. But that's you know? the thing is that <laughs> is that people enjoy working with him. So anytime he calls them up and says, "Hey, you want to do another movie?" They they go, "Yeah," because I have because they have fun. Yeah, they get paid to hang out with each other, and and that's I don't like his comedies, and I, they mm-hmm. I see them as careless and half-assed because he's with his friends, like. A lot of Burt Reynolds sort of stuff mm. in the in the seventies. In the late but 70s, in, in the course of time, that stuff will become fun because of the because of that. It'll be like, oh, you can do it. There he is, you know. Yeah. And and uh, well, it's kind but of as a, as a dramatic actor, I'll mm-hmm. watch him all oh, day. Yeah. As a comedy actor, I just want to punch Although him. Although I hated Spanglish, I thought Spanglish was so insincere. I didn't see that. Yeah. I've never seen Spanglish. His serious roles, and he plays a. Um, it's all about the immigrant experience, and it's of course directed and written by a white guy. And it it it, it was just so insincere, and I really hated it. But the, the it's sad that his his best comedy film is still probably his second. Of all his comedies, I think his best his best film is still uh, Happy Gilmore. You may be correct. Happy and, Gilmore still stands up really well. First Dates is not is not a comedy. It is a horror film. I can see that. I I've never disagreed with you on that. I mean, I mm. get the impression. I, I mean, I I know I get it. You you and uh, you and Drew Barrymore have a great chemistry together and you enjoy working with each other but that is a horror film that is terrifying it, it's it's a crazy premise i mean it, it's so cute that that they ended up together and they kind of made it work and everything but mm-hmm. the idea of your significant other waking up every day with no idea who the hell you are that and is you, terrifying and you, and you basically like it's kind of mind rapey you know, I mean, there, yes. there's there's that seat, there's that um, like a stalker version of Groundhog yeah. Day. Yeah, there is that like montage. I think towards the end of the first act, where we see all the preparation that, that goes into his day. Drew Barrymore's father and oh and brother have to go through. Yeah, every day after she goes to bed, which is just heartbreaking. Every single day. Gotta yeah, put it back the way that she remembers it. I know. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just horrifying. And uh, but but once again, we are far afield, and we you were supposed to be pimping your wares. <laughs> That's okay. My wares is talking. So uh, I have my own podcast. It's called Hyphen Nation. It's on a hiatus right now, but I have 186 episodes you can listen to. Um, that's on all streaming platforms. I also just completed the first season of my wrestling podcast with my co-host, Handsome Bane, called the Rasslecast Power Hour. And that's mm-hmm. R-A-S-S-L-E-C-A-S-T, mm-hmm. Power Hour. That's um, a hell of a name, man. That yeah. Hats off. That's a great thank name. Thank you. 
Yeah, the, me and me and uh, me and uh, Eric came up with that. So thank you very much. And we're gonna start recording here next month, and hopefully planning on starting season two releasing in September. Okay. Uh, so look out for that. Uh, well, you both... let me know when you want to come on and talk about weird gimmicks. Yeah, I, I will let you know. We're gonna get you on this season, buddy. Okay. Okay. And then all those podcasts can be found on Hyphen Podcast Group, which is my own podcast network. I started. Uh, four years ago this September uh, with some friends. We uh, have about six or seven shows has been running consistently how's, here. For how's a while. Howard Sir and Budsaw doing? Oh, they're they're doing good. They're they're doing good. Actually I, I was remember just at, enjoying the enjoying their, their podcast. Yeah, they're, they're still going. Um they just recently joined because they were on a Pittsburgh network ah. here a few years ago and then they're they went independent again and now it's like, hey you guys just wanna be under the umbrella and they're like sure so George uh, come, has been on my show a lot. He's a semi-regular co-host for me. And then Osti just got married uh, to a beautiful lady named Emily. And they just got back from Aruba. So uh, they're both doing well. And the podcast has been going. They're, they've been podcasting together since 2009, something crazy right. like that. So they're, they're doing great. Um, cool, cool, cool. So that's, that's where all the podcast stuff is. Um, but if you would need to reach out to me, just... B hyphen on Twitter, B H Y P H. And you you live stream the recordings of your um, podcast on sometimes, right? Sometimes I do, yeah. Okay. The live streaming thing, um, I I got into it because of quarantine last year, right? Um, and then I realized it's also a lot of work and Mm -hmm. dedication if you want to be like a a prominent streamer. So it's something in the repertoire at this point. So every Mm -hmm. now and then I will stream a podcast, but I do have a video of everything i do want to say though i have a youtube channel now which i just uh started really kind of releasing content on and it's just called hyphen universe on youtube so mm-hmm. if you want to like subscribe and follow and hit the bell so you don't miss a notification that would be great <laughs> well, i gotta send you i gotta send you the script to um one of our projects that's coming up okay uh, at, at atw i think you'd get a kick out of it because it's done in the form of a youtube video wonderful so, but um, as for you, Lab Monkey, what? Um, your assignment for next next month. I've already sent you the digital file. It is waiting for you when you go back to whatever rat hole you choose to dwell in. Such harsh language. It's also from 1986, oddly enough, and it is from the Empire Pictures. Ovier, the same people who brought us RoboJocks. <laughs> and it is a film about a half man, half truck. Yes. I'm listening. Ninja. Okay. Bing Crosby's daughter. Ding Crosby? Denise Crosby, yes. Bing Crosby's daughter. <laughs> That's a ding. ding. No, no, no. <laughs> Denise Crosby. And I think there is also a pirate in this film, and they fight a mad scientist. Well, it can't be bad. It's called Eliminators. Yes, Eliminators. Eliminators! Is that like regulators? We will discuss that in one month's time. I hope there's a lot of eliminating in it. I, 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 well, it's called the Eliminators. So, and we're not doing the uh, what was it, the Exterminator, because that is one boring ass film. 
I know that I was originally on our list when we first put the list together. The Robert Ginty action film, The Exterminator, but that film is over two hours long and it is dull. No cockroaches were harmed in the making of no. The Exterminator. No, no, no. But this is the this is Eliminators, uh, which was also, by the way, written by uh, Paul DeMeo and Danny Bilson, who went on a few years later to write The Rocketeer. Nice. Oh, that's so, a good film. So, yes. So yes. So so expect a lot of swashing of the buckles and daring of the do because it's time to do the do. As is mentioned several times in, in Tougher Than Leather. Yes, it is. But until this time, sir, you must go! website at two true freaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e-f-r-e-a-k-s you can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on itunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow we have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, Please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Yo, what's up? We're Run DMC, and what we got for you might not be a rhyme, but it's the truth. When it comes to drugs, only one word counts. No. Just say no.